Well, greetings. This is David Carnes, and welcome to the podcast that we call Time in God's Word. And as we find ourselves back together, I'm taking us through a lesson on obedience and then the results of obedience. And we find ourselves walking through Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, the part of Mark's gospel that speaks of the time that Jesus called his disciples to get into the boats so that they could all set out to the other side of the Lake of Galilee. And as we opened up this text the last time we were together, we began by seeing that God expects our obedience. And we saw this very vividly as Jesus said to his disciples to get into the boats, and that is what they did. They didn't make excuses. They didn't try to come up with their own ideas as to what to do. They just simply followed Jesus. And you remember that we found that just as God would speak to his own then and that God would command his own through his word, we brought out the point that God still does this today. God speaks, he instructs his children, and of course, first and foremost, God will speak through his word, through scripture, in order to do this. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he has always spoken, always instructed his own, and he continues today, and he will always do just that. But now, that is what we found last time. But today, we continue to look at this text, and what we find today is that when God's children do follow his word, when God's children do obey, there are results that play themselves out. And today, as we continue through this passage, we're going to discover that obedience doesn't mean that life will always be smooth sailing. What we will see is that sometimes obedience brings about storms to our lives. And so this is the topic for today. Again, that obedience does not promise smooth sailing. And so we continue then to spend time in God's Word. Point number two, our obedience toward God does not promise smooth sailing. Our obedience towards God does not promise smooth sailing. You say, now where do you see that? Well, it's right in the middle of the text. It's verse 37 and 38. And let me read both, uh, both of these verses again. But in verse number 37, this is what the text says. It says, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Verse 38, but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? <laughs> there it is. So the followers of Jesus, what have they done? They, they've, they've obeyed the command, right? They get in the boats, they head out for the eastern side of the lake, and because they have obeyed, then what would you think the results should be? The results should be smooth sailing. I mean, the results should be uh, a non-eventful little trip to the other side. No problems. I mean, what could go wrong? Jesus just told you to do something. You've been good. You do it, and we'll be there. No problem. But look what happens. And let me just go through this and start. Uh, I'll start by doing this. Let me, again, kind of paint a little picture for us, if I may. But more than likely, when this storm hits, and you see the storm hits, 
more than likely they are well into their trip. By the way, the Lake of Galilee, just a, a little geography lesson for us. It is eight miles wide. It is 13 miles long. So I am thinking, all right, this is how I'm thinking. This is how I'm seeing this. But they are probably midway point in the lake. They are probably four miles out into the trip, into the middle of the lake. I say that because I think that's important, and it's important for us to understand there's no turning back here. And so... You see what happens, but again, they are hit by a storm. Again, no turning back, well into the trip. And let me, again, if I may, let's have some insight in regard to the storm. We can describe this thing. It's not a little rain shower. This is not what it is. You see the words there that are used to describe the storm. These are important. Let me bring them out. Verse number 37. The text says... This was a great windstorm. Now, that is what my translation has. A great windstorm. Two words there. The first word, great, in the Greek text, that is the word megas. Megas means violent. That's what it means. It means vehement. That's what that means. The next word, windstorm. Lilaps in the Greek. The word lilaps can literally mean a hurricane. That's what that means. Now, understand this. I looked this up. I wanted to be very specific on this. The minimum wind speed for a storm to be classified as a hurricane is 74 miles per hour. That's it right there. And so here is what you have then at this point. You've got the apostles. You have the others, the disciples of Jesus. Again, they do what Jesus said to do. They get into the boats. They head for the eastern side of the lake. They've done everything that Jesus has said for them to do, and look what happens, but they find themselves in the midst of a hurricane. You look back at verse 37, and the text says the waves were breaking into the boat. It says so that the boat was already filling. I mean, they could not sweep the water out fast enough. And what is happening is they are sinking. This is serious. They are four miles out. And, and they are sinking. And this is just not happening in one of the boats, this boat that Jesus is in, but this is happening in all of the boats. And again, this is all happening when? This is all happening after Jesus said, let's go. And they said, okay, we're following. Here we come. It happens after all that. But then let me do this. Let's focus on verse 38. And in verse number 38, we're told that Jesus, he was in the stern of the boat. I'm not a boat guy, so I had to look that one up. Stern, that's the back. That's where he is. And it also says that Jesus was asleep. Now, we can focus on that for a minute. But remember, what did I say at the onset of all this? I said, okay, Jesus, he's had a full day of teaching, of preaching. He is tired. Can you see how tired he was? <laughs> he's in the midst of a hurricane, and he is sound asleep. He's got his head on a cushion. He's exhausted. By the way, and I'll just throw this in real quick, the proof of the humanity of Jesus here. Jesus, all God, all man, all man who had to be perfect to die for man. His humanity, he's tired. But I just focus on this for a moment just to point out how really exhausted our Lord at this point. Jesus, he has become... And again, the text says he's asleep in the stern, his head on this cushion, a pillow, and all of this was taking place during the hurricane. Now, 
you keep looking at verse number 38, the text says that the apostles woke him up. They woke Jesus. And don't you know that they were screaming at the top of their lungs? Don't you know? And they yell out, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now the word perishing there, um, in the Greek, apolomai in the Greek, the word means destroy, it means death. And so what they are literally yelling out is, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? And so that's the picture, painting the picture for you. And the point being, the apostles, the other disciples, all of them, they did exactly what Jesus said to do. And look what they get for it. They get a hurricane. Their lives, they're being rocked around in a storm. Life was not easy for them at this point. As a matter of fact, would you agree with me? You could say life for these guys, it was very hard right now. And let me say this, and that is, this is exactly what will happen to any of God's children, followers of Jesus, who decide to obey Him. Life will, it'll have its hard storms sometimes. Let me say this to you. The worst thing that any of us can ever say as we share the gospel with somebody is just come to Jesus and all your troubles will go away. You cannot say that. That is not true. As a, matter of fla- as a matter of fact, life many times for the believer is just going to get harder. Now with that said, let me, let me get right to the point in all of this. I want you to hear this because maybe you would like to ask the question at this point. So why is it that as a follower of Jesus, I mean, I do what Jesus says. I trust him. I love him. I follow his word. Why then will God allow hurricanes to come into my life? Troubles, hardships, difficulties. Why? I'd like to know the answer to that. Well, let me just say there are many reasons. Let me just hit on some of them, not all of them. We could spend a lot of time on this. One reason is this, and that is God will allow trouble to come into your life so that the lost world can see how a true Christian responds to trouble. I think about Job. How did he respond to trouble? This man, how did he respond to the troubles that came into his life? The Bible says that Job praised God through his troubles. That's what my Bible says. I mean, we go through trouble so that the lost world can see that we can trust God, even in the hardest of times. When you have hardships, what's the lost world scene coming out of your life? Let me also give you another reason that God will allow hardships to come to your life, to one of His children, and that is so that the Christian will not grow prideful. You say, really? Yeah, ask the Apostle Paul. Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7, quote, So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh. We're not going to get into what the thorn or who the thorn was, but I will say this, Paul had seen great things in heaven. This is what he's talking about. And he says, and so to keep me from becoming a boaster, prideful, God has made my life difficult. God humbled me so that I not be out there puffing myself up. Let me tell you about heaven and let me tell you what I saw. 
But also let me say this, and again, just getting to the point in all this, but the reason for our troubles, bottom line, and by the way, even before I get to that, let me say troubles do come to our lives because of sin. We do know that as Christians, God will discipline his children because of sin, but this is not this text. These guys are doing what God said to do. So why is it then that that happens? Bottom line, here it is. So you'll just get closer to God. That's it. So that the relationship will grow. So that you will mature in your walk. So that you will run to Him and so that you will hold on to Him. Bottom line, that's it. So that we can be used by Him. And sometimes it takes troubles to get that done. And let me also do this. And uh, Pam and I were, were speaking of this particular missionary this past week. She brought Amy Carmichael to mind. And I thought, well, I've got to share this one. Amy Carmichael, she was a missionary. She was born in Ireland. She lived in the 1800s, 1900s. She died in 1951. She lived in India for the vast majority of her life as a missionary. One of the works that she was most noted for was the founding of what is called the Donover Fellowship, again in India. And these are some things that I was learning about her this past week, but Amy Carmichael, again, this wonderful missionary, goes off to India, starts this thing called the Donover Fellowship. It consisted of orphanages. It consisted of a hospital. And this is the way that she and the others that worked there were able to reach the people of India for Christ. Great work, right? Wonderful work. Yet in 1931, she fell and she broke her leg. Now, she fell into this hole and it just, it just tore her leg to pieces, broke her leg badly. So badly that for the rest of her life, she was in bed. Bedbound. Until she died 20 years later. Now you say, well, how terrible. This lady who leaves her family and she goes to India to see that people come to faith in Christ. She's just doing what God told her to do. And all of a sudden she falls, she breaks her leg, and for the next 20 years she's in bed. How's God going to use her? Listen to me on this. But for the next 20 years, you know what God used her to do? He used her to write books. And for the next 20 years, she wrote 16 books, books of great Christian inspiration. You think a storm came to her life? A storm came to her life. Did God use her through the storm? God used her through the storm to bring glory to Him, still reaching others through those books. But so many times we can look at the storms of life, we can question God, and yet God knows what He's doing, guys. He knows what He's doing, and He continued to use Amy Carmichael in great ways, even in the midst of a storm. As a matter of fact, in James chapter 1, verses 2-4, through 4, let me just read this to you. James talks about this. He says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What does He say? He says, When the storms come, be joyful. Why? Because God's got a plan through that storm and he's going to grow you through that storm he's going to perfect you through that storm that's what that means to grow you to make you more like Christ but I want you to listen but there's no reason hear me now there's no reason 
to ever panic when storms hit. We want to, but there's no reason to. Just understand, God knows what He's doing. He's using the hard times to grow you. He's using the hard times to bring you closer to Him. He's using the hard times to mature you. And you know what? You see this in the boat. It's in the text. Now, understand, at this point, are the apostles panicking? <laughs> they are panicking. Did you bring us out here to die? But do you notice who isn't panicking? Who's not panicking? Jesus is not panicking. And the reason Jesus isn't panicking is because Jesus knows what He's doing. He knows the purpose of the storm. He knows the outcome. Which, guess what? Takes us to point three. And we're going to find ourselves in the third and final point of this text the next time we come together on Friday of this week. But remember that God has His reasons. He has His purposes for the storms of life, and you can expect them. They're part of the Christian life. And yet, when they come about, remember that first and foremost, God will use the difficulties of life to draw us even closer to Him. You know, I remember one time when I was a little boy, and my dad, he had taken me to a shopping mall. And the mall, it was just full of people. Well, in the midst of our time there, my dad and I, we were separated. And I lost sight of my dad. And I remember being so afraid. And yet, what I did was, I began to yell out. I began to call out to my dad. And I remember seeing him through the crowd, and he saw me as I called out. And he came to me, and he grabbed me. And let me tell you, when that happened, I was so happy. But when trouble hit, what did I do? I sought to be with my father. And that is what trouble in our lives will cause us to do. And that is to call out to our heavenly father, to seek to be close to him, to seek his comfort, and to seek his love. Now, we have one more point in all of this, and we're going to look at it the next time that we come together. And I so look forward to being with you as we spend time in God's Word.